The following is a recording of LTCCC's February 2023 webinar on the recent groundbreaking lawsuits filed by New York State Attorney General Letitia James alleging widespread neglect and abuse and significant financial fraud against major nursing home operators in New York State. The program is led by Amy Held and Tom O'Hanlon from the New York State Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. For video, slides, and other resources from the program, head to nursinghome411.org slash webinar MFCU. Again, that's nursinghome411.org slash webinar MFCU. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us for today's program. A little bit of background on the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization entirely dedicated to improving care for residents in nursing homes and assisted living, other adult care uh, facilities. Our focus is policy research and analysis, systems advocacy, uh, and of course, a lot of publications, public education, excuse me, such as today's program. And uh, those of you who visit our website know that we have a lot of resources on residents' rights, on nursing home quality, staffing, uh, enforcement, et cetera. And we're also home to two local long-term care ombudsman programs in our home state of New York. Our website, again, is nursing home 411 .org. Uh, I am really excited about today's program. I know I will learn a lot, and I think we all will. Uh, our program is on New York State Attorney General enforcement actions, focusing on three recent lawsuits that were filed by New York State Attorney General James uh, against three major providers, specific uh, nursing homes of three major providers here in New York State. And it's, um, I thought, one of the most, uh, three of the most striking lawsuits uh, and actions that I have seen to hold nursing homes accountable, both for uh, when, excuse me, hold nursing homes accountable when they don't provide good care in accordance with regulatory standards and safety standards for their residents, and when there is uh, evidence that they are allocating money or pulling money away from nursing home care into their um, into profits. So we're looking forward to today's program. We have two presenters today, uh, both of whom I uh, know and respect and appreciate. Uh, the first is Amy Held. She is the director of the New York State Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. Amy has been the director since November 2013. Before that, she was the chief of the civil of the attorney general's, excuse me, civil enforcement division since December 2012. Uh, after investigating and litigating false claims act cases as a special assistant attorney general since 2007. And I know Tom, Tom O'Hadlin, our second speaker for actually, I guess, 19 years now, since 2003, when, uh, which is shortly after I started at the coalition, um, Tom joined, well, actually, I'm sorry, he joined the AG's office and then the Medicaid for Control Unit. My, my mistake, but I know that you've been um, there for a long time and have done terrific work. Uh, Tom is the Chief of Criminal Investigations for the Medicaid for Control Unit. As Chief of Criminal Investigations, Tom supports the development of the Infuku's major provider fraud and resident abuse and neglect investigations statewide. Tom is also the co-chair of the National Association of Medicaid Fraud Control Units Association Resident Abuse Committee. And that's one reason why I was particularly um, glad to have the opportunity for Amy and Tom to present, because this is something that we would certainly like to see more of in our home state, but also 
more uh, similar actions, protecting residents, protecting the integrity of the public funds that go to nursing homes in other states as well. And uh, the, the National uh, Nanfuku, excuse me, is really a tremendous organization and some really um, people doing some really valuable work across the country. Today, I'm really excited to be focusing on the work that the New York State Medicaid Fraud Control Unit is doing. Uh, just a quick plug for our program this Thursday. We have a project that we are doing family uh, empowerment for residents, uh, for families of residents in nursing homes, excuse me. And we are having a family empowerment half hour this Thursday at noon Eastern when residents speak up. And it should be really interesting. These are very interactive programs, and we welcome you to join us uh, on Facebook or directly online. And uh, lastly, save the date for our March webinar, uh, Tuesday, March 21st, again at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be talking about CNA training requirements. And without further ado, I'm going to pass it on to Amy and Tom. Thank you both. So uh, just as some background, I wanted to just briefly talk about the Attorney General's Nursing Home Report as some context, which was issued in uh, January 2021. It's publicly available on the New York State Attorney General's website. If you search for the press release for the report, for the Attorney General's Nursing Home Report, you'll be able to see the uh, Attorney General's Nursing Home Report by clicking on the link within that, um, within that uh, press release. The Attorney General's Nursing Home Report was issued uh, to, to set forth, you can go to the next slide, Tom, the preliminary investigative findings and public and data analysis conducted by the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit and was published in the interest of transparency and awareness, encouraging collective action to protect residents based on what the unit had learned from its investigations of hundreds and hundreds of hotline complaints at nursing homes starting from the beginning of the pandemic through the end of the summer. Next slide, please. The preliminary findings included that nursing homes that entered the pandemic with low CMS staffing ratings had higher COVID-19 fatality rates. In addition, nursing homes lack of compliance with infection control protocols put residents at risk, increased risk of harm. There are many other findings. I won't go through them all today since we got a little bit of a, a later start, but uh, the report also included 13 recommendations, including requiring quantitative minimum staffing um, uh, laws that would be stronger to protect residents and additional and enforceable transparency in the operation of for-profit nursing homes, including financial transactions and financial relationships with related parties. Keep going, Tom. The next, uh, the report also includes what I thought was a helpful resource for folks online, on the line here, uh, which sets forth our, the regulatory framework for nursing homes operating within New York State based on New York state law and relevant federal law. And there is also a key of uh, a table in one of the appendices of key federal and state guidance. It also contains in exhibit B, uh, a, just a, a summary of one of the attorney general's 2018 prosecutions of a nursing home owner, the nursing home itself and its high managerial agent, as well as their guilty pleas to misdemeanor endangering, which and accompanying civil settlements um, that required them to pay a million dollars in restitution and excluded them from Medicaid. And this was based on investigative findings 
that the owners were on notice of insufficient staffing and yet refused to remedy the conditions while they kept admitting residents. Next slide, please. So now we're here today to talk about the three Attorney General 6312 uh, special proceedings that were filed in late 2022. The first was filed on, on November 29th in Orleans County relating to the Village of Orleans Nursing Home, a 120 bed nursing home in Orleans County. The filings were extensive and they consisted of 151 page verified petition, as well as supporting documents, including 14 affidavits, including a detailed auditor affidavit with detailed financial findings and uh, facts and support for the financial analysis and staffing analysis that is summarized in the petition, as well as a medical analyst affidavit from an RN explaining uh, a relevant analysis of, um, of, of uh, expertise related to nursing home neglect and uh, specifically neglect within the villages of Orleans. As in addition was included a detective affidavit and civilian affidavits, which set forth a number of factual findings relating to resident neglect, suffering, and um, humiliation at the villages. In addition, the Attorney General filed a memorandum of law and a notice of petition. This particular action was commenced against 17 respondents. The second special proceeding filed under Executive Law 6312 was filed on December 13th in 2022 in Nassau County against Fulton Commons, which is a for-profit 280-bed nursing home in East Meadow, as well as 18 other respondents. And those included 14 individuals, including 12 nursing home owners, four other corporate entities, including the related party landlord and management company. The verified petition was accompanied by the filing of 13 affidavits, including a detailed auditor's affidavit, which set forth detailed support for the Attorney General's factual findings of financial analysis and staffing analysis that are summarized in the petition, as well as the medical analyst affidavit, detective affidavit, and civilian affidavits. It was also accompanied by a memorandum of law and a notice of petition. The third special proceeding was filed on December 15th, 2022 in Nassau County. This one was related to Cold Spring Hills, a for-profit 588-bed nursing home in Oyster Bay, Long Island. It was commenced against 27 respondents, including the nursing home itself, 14 individuals, including owners of the nursing home and the related party landlord and management companies, as well as 12 LLCs and one other corporate entity. The petition was accompanied with the filing of 21 affidavits, including a detailed auditor's affidavit that set forth the basis for the Attorney General's financial findings that are summarized in the petition regarding um, financial analysis and staffing analysis, as well as uh, a medical analyst affidavit, detective affidavit, and uh, other civilian affidavits. Next slide, please. These are all ongoing civil proceedings. And for that reason, today in this webinar, we will be summarizing the allegations, findings, and causes of action in each of the verified petitions, as well as in the supporting papers that were filed in connection with the special proceedings. We will tell you how to find these public filings for yourself for free for your own review. We won't be going into all the details of the filings and we won't be providing any non-public information about them given that these are ongoing civil proceedings. 
The first special proceeding is against the was against the villages of Orleans and 17 other respondents. This is what the petition looked like, and you can find it. It's 151 pages long, and you can find it if you go to the next slide on the public court site for the uh, county of Orleans, and you can get each and every one of the supporting affidavits as well as the petition for free on this uh, website. Next slide, please. You can also find a copy of the petition electronically and for free by clicking on the Attorney General's press release relating to this filing um, in the link that, that, is, that is reflected here, which will take you right to the petition. These three special proceedings were commenced under New York's Executive Law 6312, and that is a statute that provides whenever any person shall engage in repeated fraudulent or illegal acts or otherwise demonstrate persistent fraud or illegality in the carrying on, conducting, or transaction of business, the Attorney General may apply in the name of the people of the State of New York to the Supreme Court of the State of New York for an order enjoining the continuance of such business activity or of any fraudulent or illegal acts and directing restitution and damages. In the special proceeding against the villages of Orleans, the attorney general is fi filed under executive law 6312 to stop the repeated fraud and illegality that the respondents were engaging in uh, that's reflected in the verified petition and all the supporting affidavits in order to protect the residents from further neglect, suffering, and humiliation, and to order the respondents to disgorge and return illegally converted Medicaid and Medicare funds under Executive Law 6312. As the petition notes, the New York State Department of Health Com Commissioner requested the Attorney General to enjoin the violations of the public health law or any regulations promulgated there, un there under. Now, while this request was not necessary for the Attorney General to commence the special proceeding, it does show the Department of Health support for it. The uh, special proceeding against the villages of Orleans sets forth in detail in the petition as findings from the attorney by the Attorney General and also supported by many affidavits, repeated neglect and inhumane treatment of the village's residents from before the pandemic throughout right before the filing of the uh, petition in November 2022, as well as a long history of insufficient and unqualified staffing and poor quality of care in violation of the regulations. It also summarizes the findings of the petition, which, is, which are supported by the affidavits and the exhibits that respondents through repeated fraud and illegality took $18.6 million that should have been spent on care and establishes through the findings and the supporting affidavits that the uh, poor quality of care, the resident neglect, suffering and humiliation is directly traceable to respondents conversion of millions of dollars in upfront profit while the nursing home disregarded its duties to provide require, required care and staffing. The verified petition identifies many, many laws and regulations that the respondents repeatedly and persistently violated that require nursing homes to provide required care and sufficient staffing. And the findings demonstrate that respondents repeatedly prioritized their personal profits over the nursing homes duties to provide care and staffing. There are many examples, very disturbing examples of neglect, suffering, and humiliation that are described within the petition and the supporting affidavits that um, 
are, are reflected therein and, and supported. I, I won't go through them uh, in detail here. You can read them for yourselves when you publicly access these documents for yourselves, but they include many serious, um, serious failures to provide care and supervision and reflect that the villages did not provide even basic care to residents during, before, and throughout the pandemic. In addition to other concerning examples, um, the petition has findings from the Attorney General that reflect, which are supported by affidavits, failures by the villages to follow residents' care plans, manage medications, provide nutritional support, provide wound care, uh, leaving diapers, the villages leaving diapers uh, for hours, residents in diapers that were soiled for hours and hours, which is humiliating. Uh, also the failure to follow infection control protocols and maintain accurate records. And the petition also finds, as supported by the affidavits, that all of this was happening simultaneous with the respondents' constant drive to admit new residents to the villages in order to increase its revenue. The petition also finds, as supported by the affidavits, that the villages intentionally maintained chronically inadequate staffing levels in order to maximize the respondents' profits. And in so doing, they uh, forced or pressured staff to perform work outside the scope of their qualifications, to work without adequate support from other personnel, and to work under substandard, substandard conditions, all while being paid very low wages. Meanwhile, the petition also reflects the Attorney General's findings as supported by the affidavits accompanying the petition that the respondents, when they obtained control of the villages in 2015, they cut staffing. And as a result, this decreased the CMS ratings to, its, to the lowest levels in uh, virtually every category. Uh, in, in addition, in May 2020, the New York State Department of Health issued an immediate jeopardy on, regarding the villages. And in March, 2021, CMS designated the villages as a special focus facility, which is a designation reserved for the nation's worst nursing homes. The petition also sets forth the attorney general's findings supported by many affidavits of the respondents repeated and persistent fraud and illegality through illegal conversion of $18.6 million, $18 million in upfront profit through a self-dealing lease with a related party landlord and management fees, including $10 million that was taken before 2020. The, as set forth in, this, in the verified petitions findings, the fraudulent conduct included hiding the facility's true owners and operators from DOH. The respond, as, as found in the petition, the respondents falsely listed Bernard Fuchs as the 100% owner in the villages in the respondent's submissions to DOH and on corporate organizing documents in an intentional scheme to mislead DOH about the identities of the individuals who planned to and did in fact exercise control over the villages from the very beginning. And this was all an effort to mislead DOH and to induce it to approve the application quickly. Although uh, respondent Bernard Fuchs had his name on the papers as being the 100% owner. In fact, respondents Sam Halper, Ephraim Lahasky, and David Gass controlled the village's finances, staffing, budgeting, and high-level decision-making uh, as found in the Attorney General's verified petition and supported by supporting affidavits. And 
exercise control over the facility from the beginning. Moreover, respondents' uh, repeated fraud and illegality included um, uh, operation by Sam Halper as an undisclosed owner who exercised control, executed cost report certifications, and in April 2020 decided not to offer hazard pay for the village's staff as they were working uh, in very terrible conditions to try to protect the residents during the early stages of the pandemic. In, in his examination, in the Attorney General's investigation, Bernard Fuchs testified that Halper was the one in the facility, operating the facility, doing resident care and all that, and that he chose, and that and, um, uh, one of the administrators testified that Halper personally asked him to become the administrator of the villages. In 2022, respondent Sam Halper was indicted for federal healthcare fraud by the United States for his conduct in the Pennsylvania nursing home. And when Sam Halper was, uh, uh, asked questions under oath in the attorney general's investigation, specifically about the operation of the villages, he asserted his right against self-incrimination many times. The special proceeding also sets forth the respondents' findings of the respondents' repeated fraudulent conduct, including hiding the true nature of the nursing home's lease with its related party landlord. When the facility was purchased by the respondents in 2015, they also uh, purchased the land on which the facility was, was sitting and became its related party landlord. And they used this related party landlord telegraph as explained in the findings of the verified petition to funnel millions in upfront profit to themselves while they were operating the nursing home with this insufficient staff and causing the nursing home to disregard its legal duties to provide care. We use the term up, upfront profit. And by that, what we mean is the practice of making payments from the nursing home to its owners or to the owners of its related parties in the guise of predetermined and self-negotiated quote unquote expenses and other transfers of property uh, of funds as a priority over and without regard to ensuring that the nursing home uses the public funds it receives to meet that home's duty to provide required care with sufficient staffing to render that care to its residents. The verified petition also sets forth additional findings of repeated fraud and illegality uh, by the respondents that included causing the villages to pay the related party landlord telegraph millions of dollars in rent that was well in excess of fair market value causing it to pay over $2 million in purported management fees and using the facility as collateral to secure and cash in on multi-million dollar loans that provided no benefit to the residents. This chart summarizes cost report data from cost reports filed by the villages of Orleans, both before and after the respondents took control of the facility in 2015. And you can tell one, two, the fifth column from the left is uh, the year 2015 when respondents took control. And what this chart reflects as a finding within the verified petition is that when the respondents took control, they dramatically increased its quote unquote rent expenses. And you can tell this because the bottom, the bottom portion of each of these columns is in red and it reflects that the rent uh, increases which are in red increased dramatically after the respondents took control and began to cause the villages to pay excess rent payments to the related party that they owned. Uh, in addition, this chart reflects that the amount that the villages of the amount of the villages expenses 
paid for direct care salaries, which is the light green portion towards the bottom of each of these columns, decreased after the, village, after the respondents took control of the villages. It also reflects this chart that, um, it, that respondents operated the villages to give the false impression that the villages was not a profitable investment by respondents. You can see they net out uh, revenue and expenses, when in fact, it was a very profitable investment for the respondents because of the related party transactions. This uh, financial flowchart is also included as in the financial in the findings of the petition and also is explained in detail in the auditor's affidavit and reflects the repeated and persistent fraudulent conduct that resulted in the illegal conversion of $18.6 million by the respondents. And you can tell from this chart, many millions of dollars went into Villages of Orleans, which is the blue box in the center of the chart from Medicaid and Medicare, and that the respondents exercised control over the village of, Villages of Orleans to cause direct transfers from the villages to the uh, respondent owner, including the three undisclosed owner operators, these are the individuals that are represented in the top right portion of the chart in the first, uh, the top four circles, Fuchs family, Ga uh, Gast, Halper, and Lahasky. And you can also see uh, that the cash flow was designed by the respondents to pay $15 million to Telegraph Realty, which is the related party landlord. And you can see that respondents caused that related party landlord to pay many millions of dollars to each of these four respondents, um, respondent undisclosed operators and the Fuchs family, as well as to the Landa family and the Lichtenstein family who were also owners of the, uh, of the related party realty company. In addition, you can see that another way, uh, another means of um, extraction of funds from the nursing home was through the related party management company, CMS Group, which which uh, sent several, which, which sent money to Gast, Halper, and Lahasky. In addition, as findings within the special petition supported by supporting affidavits, there were seven individuals that received money for nothing uh, from villages and telegraph in varying amounts between just over $500,000 and $1.58 million. Now to get to the causes of action in the petition, there are five causes of action that are set forth under executive law 6312. I won't go through in each and every one of them. You can read them for yourselves when you access the verified petition, but each one um, sets forth the cause of action based on a particular type of repeated fraud and illegality or a, uh, that was persistent in the respondent's operation of the nursing home or repeated illegality itself in the operation of the nursing home. And I wanted to point out the third cause of action includes failing to seek approval from DOH of asset transfers from the nursing home that were in excess of the limits that are set by public health law 28085C. Another aspect of that cause of action was the respondents repeated and persistent fraudulent conduct in filing false cost reports with DOH as well as filing false documents with DOH regarding the application for the nursing home certificate of need. Another cause of action under Executive Law 6312 
uh, was based on the respondents' repeated fraud and uh, repeated illegality. Can you go to the next slide, Tom? In uh, in repeatedly and persistently causing the nursing home to fail to deliver care and services required under 34 uh, regulations that are applicable in New York State. And I won't go through all of them, but I will go through the ones that are worth noting for the audience so the audience can understand the nursing home's duties to the extent they do not already. Uh, one regulation that was repeatedly violated was fulfilling each resident's right to adequate and appropriate medical care. Another was the regulation requiring the nursing home to provide safe, clean, comfortable, home-like environment with uh, housekeeping and maintenance services necessary to maintain a sanitary, comfortable environment. Another regulation repeatedly violated uh, as found in the Attorney General's verified petition with supporting affidavits is the duty to create comprehensive and timely care plans and to provide services in accordance with those care plans and to revise those care plans as necessary to assure the continued accuracy of a resident's health assessment. Another regulation it requires the nursing home to provide necessary quality of care and services to attain and maintain the highest practicable physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being of each resident. Another regulation is that which required the nursing home to ensure a resident who was unable to carry out activities of daily living to receive the necessary services to maintain good nutrition, grooming, personal and oral hygiene. Another regulation repeatedly violated based on the findings in the verified petition and supporting affidavits was the regulation requiring the nursing home to ensure that a resident who enters the facility without pressure sores does not develop pressure sores unless the individual's clinical condition demonstrates that they were unavoidable despite every reasonable effort to prevent them. And also a resident having pressure sores receives necessary treatment and services to promote healing, prevent infection, and prevent new sores from developing. Another regulation repeatedly violated as found in the petition and supported by, supporting by the supporting affidavits is the one requiring adequate assistance and supervision to the residents to prevent accidents. Additional regulations that were repeatedly violated that are worth highlighting are those that require the nursing home to maintain sufficient personnel on a 24 hour basis to provide nursing care to all the residents in accordance with each resident's needs as set forth in the care plan. Another is requiring the nursing home to maintain an effective infection control program. Another requires the nursing home to have a governing body. Another very important regulation that was repeatedly violated as based on the findings in the verified petition and supporting affidavits is the one that requires the nursing home to limit resident admissions and accept only those nursing home residents for whom they can provide adequate care. Another includes uh, the requirement to maintain a self, safe, healthy, functional, sanitary, and comfortable environment. Um, another important regulation that was repeatedly violated was the uh, duty to protect and promote the rights of the resident and to treat each resident in an environment that promotes maintenance or enhancement of his or her quality of life, recognizing each resident's individuality. And another important regulation that was violated repeatedly uh, is the one that requires 
the home, nursing home to ensure the residents receive treatment and care in accordance with professional standards of practice and in accordance with the care plan and the resident's choices. Another regulation repeatedly violated was maintaining sufficient numbers of nursing staff with appropriate competencies and skill sets to provide nursing and related services to assure the well being of each resident. And other regulations included those that were violated, including the nursing home duty to provide courteous, fair, respectful care and treatment to each resident and to prevent and report abuses of persons receiving care. The, uh, fifth, the sixth cause of action included in the verified petition is misappropriation of public property under the Tweed Law, which is referred to as Executive Law 63C against all respondents. And finally, the seventh cause of action is under the uh, equitable relief of uh, equitable, equitable cause of action, unjust enrichment, and simply asserts that by reason of the, all the foregoing, respondents have been unjustly enriched to the detriment of the Medicaid and Medipa Medicare programs and it is against equity and good conscience to permit them to retain the payments they received under the programs. The request for relief in the petition is set forth in the petition and it includes declaratory relief. I won't go into the details here, but basically it's declaring the respondents engaged in repeated and persistent fraud and illegality, receive funds to which they were not entitled and were unjustly enriched, and requiring them to return those funds back to the public. Other relief that is sought in the, uh, uh, in the petition includes injunctive relief, which is authorized under Executive Law 6312. And that includes appointing uh, an independent healthcare monitor to oversee the village's healthcare operations and ensure the village's improves healthcare outcomes. Other uh, injunctive relief sought includes the appointment of an independent financial monitor to stop the illegal conduct that is set forth within the petition that violates the laws. There, the, the other injunctive relief sought is to uh, prevent respondents Lahasky, Gast, and Halper from uh, being involved further in the village's operations or any of its related parties. And you can read the rest of the injunctive relief uh, yourself. So the second Executive Law 6312 special proceeding was filed against Fulton Commons on December 13th uh, last year. It's the, the verified petition is 155 pages and it is against 19 respondents. You can find this, uh, this petition as well as all of the supporting affidavits on the next slide, please, on the New York, on the Nassau County's um, website uh, through which all of the supporting affidavits, the uh, 13 supporting affidavits, the verified petition, the memorandum of law uh, can be found for free on this, uh, on this website, as well as uh, some of the, most of the documents or some of the documents can be found on the attorney general's press release uh, in a link that uh, in that press release. So to summarize this petition, the attorney general's findings of repeated and persistent fraud and illegality uh, this time was, was in relation to their these respondents operation of Fulton Commons. And they included repeated incidents of Fulton Commons resident abuse and neglect that occurred between 2018 to 2022. This neglect included uh, neglect from insufficient staffing, uh, including fail failure to provide medical care, rehabilitation services, lack of supervision that resulted in falls, violation of infection control protocols, 
and failure to provide uh, wound care, as well as other failures. Another finding within the petition and supported by the supporting affidavits is that Fulton Commons intentionally underreported by 45% its COVID-19 deaths as part of its fraudulent scheme to conceal its poor performance. Fulton Commons reported 40 COVID deaths to DOH during the first uh, portion of the pandemic, yet its records, its actual, the records it produced to the Attorney General's office reflected 74 COVID resident deaths. In addition, in March 2020, Fulton Commons, uh, these are findings set forth in the petition supported by affidavits, sent misleading robocalls to family members falsely denying the existence of COVID-19 in the facility, even after residents had died from presumed COVID. And the facility manager directed staff not to discuss COVID-19 with anyone outside of the facility and delayed testing of the residents. Other findings of repeated fraud and illegality that are set forth in the petition included in January 2022, DOH determining that Fulton Commons failed to report a resident's allegation of sexual abuse by a nursing staff member, and that it failed to investigate that allegation and permitted the staff member to continue working. DOH also found that Fulton Commons had an unlawful policy under which allegations of sexual abuse would not be reported to law enforcement as required under the law, but instead would be treated as grievances. And DOH found that Fulton Commons was in immediate jeopardy. Later in April, 2022, CMS lowered Fulton Commons uh, overall rating to two stars, which is below average, average and identified it as a candidate for a special focus uh, facility program. Other repeated uh, fraud and repeated and persistent fraud and illegality findings in petition and accompanying uh, documents include the respondent's fraudulent conversion of $16 million that should have been spent on resident care, but instead was extract extracted through two fraudulent schemes. One was uh, purported salaries for no-show jobs for eight of the owners through which respondents took out over $1 million and the other fraudulent scheme was inflated rent through which the respondents extracted uh, $14.9 million. The fraudulent conversion of the rent uh, includes, as the petition sets forth in its findings, the, the amount of rent that Fulton Commons was causing through its, through its uh, controlling owner, Mosher Coulter, to pay to its related party landlord was 13% higher uh, in terms of the rent revenue ratio than uh, the statewide average for nursing homes in 2018. And in 2020, it was 20% higher than the New York state average. In addition, Fulton Commons was paying the highest uh, rent of rent revenue ratio for Medicaid certified nursing homes in Long Island. This uh, cash flow chart is a part of the Attorney General's findings uh, set forth in the petition, supported by the auditor's affidavit and financial analysis. And it shows you the, um, the corporate entities that the respondents used to transfer money uh, that it started from Medicaid and Medicare. You can tell that from the left part of the, of the chart into Fulton Commons and how that money was transferred to other corporate entities. Uh, $1 million that went to the to eight uh, owners of 
the nursing home. They were each 1% owners, uh, adult children of Moshe Coulter for literal no-show jobs. And an additional, um, uh, an additional $14 million that went uh, to uh, Moshe Coulter, Freddie Coulter, Aaron and Esther Fogel uh, for the inflated rent. And this fraudulent conduct continued through at least January, 2022, when the Calter 1% owners illegally converted an additional 34% in the no-show fraudulent salaries and uh, Fulton Realty transferred an additional $300,000 to Mosher Calter and additional 200,000 to Aaron Fogel. Next, uh, we will talk about the, very briefly about the five causes of action under executive law 6312 that the attorney general asserted in the verified petition against the corporate respondents. They are not exactly the same, but they are similar enough that I won't go into detail. You can read them for yourselves in the uh, verified petition, which you can access through the court's website. Um, I will highlight that in the third cause of action, uh, the attorney general uh, has a cause of action for repeated and persistent fraudulent conduct against respondents, Fulton Commons and Moser Coulter for again, failing to seek approval from DOH for transfers from the nursing home in excess of limits set by the public health law 28085C, also filing false cost reports with DOH that falsely designated equity withdrawals and or asset transfers to the respondent uh, Calter 1% owners for no-show jobs as salaries and falsely asserted that those salaries were incurred to provide patient care at Fulton Commons. And finally, filing filing false certification statements for provider Medicaid uh, billing in which uh, Calter falsely attested that the Medicaid claims were for care and services furnished in accordance with applicable laws. I won't go through the other causes of action, but they also include um, a, a cause of action under Executive Law 63C and a claim, a cause of action for unjust enrichment. It, it also, the fifth cause of action also includes uh, a claim for repeated illegality for violating over 38 regulations, similar to the regulations that we went over uh, when we talked about the Villages of Orleans uh, verified petition. So um, the type of, next slide, please. The type of injunctive relief is that is sought in the verified petition against Fulton Commons is similar to that which we described in the Villages of Orleans. Um, however, there is a, uh, an, an additional, um, well, well they're, they're close enough that, that there's no need to go into detail right now, given that we got a little bit of a late start. So next slide, Tom. Um, so the final, uh, the third uh, Attorney General's Executive Law 60 through 12 special proceeding was commenced against Cold Spring Hills, and it was filed on uh, December 15th. 2022. The verified petition itself is 186 pages. It can again be accessed either through the press release link on the Attorney General's website or on the Nassau County uh, Court's um, uh, electronic uh, uh, docket system. This particular petition was filed in, in addition with 21 supporting affidavits, similar to the ones we described earlier and it was commenced against 27 respondents. These respondents included not only the nursing home, but 12 LLCs, another corporate entity, 
and 14 individuals, including the owners of the nursing home and the owners of its related party landlord and management company, management companies that received funds uh, through the illegal respondents illegal conversion. Next slide, please. To summarize the findings in the verified petition uh, relating to Cold Spring Hills, they include a, a finding that Cold Spring Hills neglected the residents while the respondents operated it with insufficient staffing and poor quality of care in violation with, in violation, um, I'm sorry, um, poor quality of care in violation of regulations. Uh, and the attorney general through the special proceeding is suing the respondents to seek injunctive relief to expose and stop the repeated fraud and persistent illegality in the respondents' operation of Cold Spring Hills. This illegality includes repeated neglect and inhumane treatment of Cold Spring Hills residents from before the pandemic up and through uh, 2022, and also includes a long history of insufficient staffing and poor quality of care in violation of the regulations. The findings in the verified petition as supported by the supporting affidavits include a finding that this uh, neglect, suffering and humiliation suffered by the Cold Spring Hill residents is directly traceable to respondents conversion of millions of dollars in upfront profit while the nursing home disregarded its duties to provide required care and staffing. The uh, findings of repeated fraud and illegality include the finding that respondents took $22 million for themselves that should have been spent on care. And the verified petition can identifies many laws and regulations that the respondents repeatedly and persistently violated um, that require the nursing homes to provide required care. And the supporting affidavits and the verified petition include findings that Cold Spring Hills neglected residents, failed to shower one resident for many months, failed to provide medical care, wound care, dental care, uh, nutrition care, failed to provide care within a resident's care plan, basic hygiene, nail care, grooming, dressing, and toilet toileting. In this presentation, I'm not going through the detailed um, uh, information that was provided by their residents and their family members and the medical records that reflect these this neglect, suffering, and and um, humiliation. I'm not showing you the photographs that were included in the petition and in the supporting affidavits, you can look at those yourself, um, but they are concerning. Uh, the, the findings also include that respondents failed to follow many infection control protocols during the <clears throat> pandemic and that they fraudulently failed to report to DOH 52% of the Cold Spring Hills COVID-19 resident deaths specifically by failing to report 51 COVID resident deaths that occurred between March 1st, 2020 and June 4th, 2020. Um, and during that time, 166 Cold Spring Hills residents died, 98 uh, from COVID-19 and 68 from other causes. In addition, the verified petition uh, sets forth the finding that the respondents filed false cost reports to DOH and submitted false documents to DOH for the a certificate of need application in order to hide undisclosed operators as well as violated asset transfer and disclosure laws of the public health law. But just a moment, um, one of the things that is probably becoming clear by now is that these special proceedings are uh, 
different from the filing of a uh, typical complaint in a civil action, which sets forth allegations in addition with the summons, which is later followed in typical discovery under the CPLR with um, discovery and then perhaps a summary judgment motion and then perhaps trial. The Executive Law 6312 provides for a different mechanism through which the Attorney General can obtain summary relief by filing not only a verified petition, but supporting support for those, those findings in the petition in order to obtain uh, objunctive, injunctive relief and declaratory relief. In these actions, the respondents have an opportunity to put forth their response to the petition. Um, and the court will then consider that the statute contemplates the court considers everything and then makes determination. So, for the lawyers who are watching, this is this proceeding is somewhat more similar to a summary judgment motion uh, than to the filing of a plenary uh, uh, complaint in a civil action. Next slide, please. So among the findings set forth in the petition are the Attorney General's findings that in order to get DOH's approval, the respondents intentionally deceived DOH by filing false and misleading documents with it to disguise the true ownership and control of Cold Spring Hills from DOH. What this chart represents is um, the ownership of Cold Spring Hills on paper, which are the boxes in the upper left corner that are at the gray, in gray shading. Uh, and then the, uh, the owners of its related party landlord, which are set forth in, on the right side of the page in the blue boxes. And it also includes the familial relationships between the um, straw owners of the nursing home and the controlling owners of the landlord, uh, as you can see in this chart. So for example, you can see in this chart that um, uh, Avi Philipson is, is designated as a 24% owner uh, Deborah Philipson, a 1% owner and uh, of, of the nursing home, whereas the father, Bent Philipson, through the Philipson family LLC on the right side of the page is a 25% owner of the related party landlord. And similarly, um, Esther Farkovitz is designated as the 25% owner of Cold Spring Hills Nursing Home, whereas her father, Benjamin Landa, is uh, a managing member, 25% owner of the Cold Spring Realty related party. Similarly, Leah Friedman and Rochelle David are each designated as 12.5% owners, collectively 25% owners of Cold Spring Hill acquisition. And their father, David Zoller, uh, is, is the owner of Lifestar Family Holdings, which is a, another 25% owner of the related party landlord. And in addition, Leah Friedman and Rochelle David are also owners of the Lifestar Family Holdings, which owns a piece, 25% of the related party landlord. So they're actually on both sides of the transaction. Next uh, slide, please. So, so another part of the findings set forth in the petition are that soon after the respondents purchased Cold Spring Hills, the uh, CMS RN staffing rating dropped from four stars, which was above average to three stars. And, uh, uh, and, and the rating continued to drop under, uh, as demonstrated in the petition further later. After the petition also sets forth that after a business dispute, 
um, between respondent Benjamin Landa and respondent Bent Phillipson. Bent, respondent Bent Phillipson took control of Cold Springs and he cut staffing again in 2019. The petition also sets, also sets forth findings, sets, sets forth findings uh, that, that um, in June 2016, Cold Spring Realty purchased the real property upon which Cold Spring Hills is located. And, uh, and that's why, uh, and that's why they, uh, they set up the related party transaction with the um, self-dealing collusive lease, which required the nursing home to pay uh, inflated rent to its related party owner. And through this fraudulent conduct, $15.2 million was paid from the nursing home to the related party landlord. In addition, $22 million was extracted from the nursing home by requiring it to pay a promissory note with 13% interest. An additional $5 million was extracted through sham management fees paid to three related party uh, management companies. Joel Leifer, as set forth in the petition, testified that Bent Phillipson and Bent Landa set the terms of the quote unquote lease between Cold Spring Hills and the realty company, and that the repeated fraud and illegality created poor working conditions for the staff. There are other charts that you will see, which again set forth the uh, family relationships of certain families on both sides of the, of the lease transaction, as well as management company transactions. Next slide, please. As well as the respondents use of a complex web of 13 LLCs in order to fraudulently extract $22 million in public funds from the nursing home that should have been spent on resident care. Next slide, please. Uh, the, the verified petition also includes findings that when Bent Phillipson took control of Cold Spring Hills, he not only cut staffing in 2019, but also again in February 2020, right after DOH issued a February 6, 2020 letter directing the nursing homes to prepare for the pandemic. And then he did this while pushing to keep admission numbers up by admitting new residents. Um, he also held himself out uh, as for finding in the petition as the executive director of Cold Spring Hills and used Cold Spring Hills to funnel money through extravagant salaries, bonuses, and luxury cars to himself and favored persons. When Bet Phillipson was examined in the Attorney General's investigation in the 6312 um, uh, uh, proceeding, he exercised his right against self-incrimination 685 times when he was asked questions under oath relating to his operation of Cold Spring Hills. Next slide. Uh, this you also find in the verified petition and the auditor's affidavit summaries of the uh, $15.2 million that was paid in inflated rent, as well as the other two schemes and taken out by the owners of the related party landlord through the, their control of the nursing home. Next slide, please. Um, and even as late as 2020, Bent Phillipson extracted $4 million when he was controlling Cold Spring Hills through himself and through his company Ventura in violation of, of uh, laws and regulations. Next slide, please. So I won't go through the uh, causes of action against Cold Spring Hills because they are similar to the ones that were asserted and described uh, and summarized in the uh, prior two petitions that we've talked about as well as uh, what's also similar is the declaratory relief sought in the verified petition 
and the uh, injunctive relief that's sought in the petition. Although I will note that this petition seeks to prohibit uh, Bent Phillipson and Avi Phillipson from having further roles in the operation of Cold Spring Hills or, the related, or its related parties. And with that, um, we can skip over the slides uh, relating to this special proceeding that remain, and I'll turn it over to Tom. Great, uh, thanks, Amy. Uh, there's certainly a lot to digest there. Uh, I'm here to talk about uh, an indictment uh, that the Medicaid Drug Control Unit filed at the end of November of last year uh, relating to allegations of sex abuse that uh, we learned about at Fulton Commons, one of the facilities that Amy spoke about. Uh, similar to Amy, I'm not at liberty to get into the facts of, uh, of the case. Uh, to ensure uh, the defendant's right to a fair trial. We will prove those allegations at court, but I'd like to talk generally about the indictment and the reality that sex abuse does happen in nursing homes. And sadly, the reality is that the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit has been receiving uh, reports that vulnerable residents in nursing homes have been victimized uh, and sexually abused. Uh, an example of that is uh, earlier in the year, at the beginning of the new year, uh, a defendant who was charged with raping uh, a 82-year-old vulnerable resident of a Rochester nursing home was convicted of rape in the first degree and sentenced to 25 uh, years in jail. And there's a litany of other reported cases uh, some of which were prosecuted by the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. So what, what do we need to do? We need to recognize, and the nursing home industry needs to recognize uh, that sexual abuse in nursing home happens. And uh, we need to do that, one, to protect residents and hold bad actors accountable. So how do we do that? Well, one of the ways in which we uh, need to do that, and that was done in the case in Rochester, is by reporting these incidents promptly pursuant to New York law and federal law. What does that do? It ensures that a case can be, can be investigated properly, identification procedures can be conducted, and that evidence is secured. When that does not happen, residents are not protected and bad actors aren't held accountable. And Getting back to the Fulton uh, indictment, uh, the allegation in that indictment is that there were several allegations of sex abuse, including one that happened in the fall of 2020 that was not reported, in which uh, a licensed practical nurse at Fulton had groped, grabbed the breast of an 80 two-year-old resident of the facility. And that was not reported. An incident report was not created. So in the indictment, it's charged that uh, Daniel Prasad, who is the LPN at issue, uh, he was charged with endangering the welfare of an incompetent or physically disabled person, uh, forcible touching, willful violation of health laws, and the, the director of nursing at Fulton, uh, Carol Frawley, was also indicted for failing to report for falsifying uh, internal reports. And the takeaway here is that one, 
these are crimes. They need to be reported promptly pursuant to the Elder Justice Act uh, under federal law and the public health law, 28, section 2803D. These are crimes that need to be reported immediately. If they are not, that every employee who has reasonable cause or reasonable suspicion pursuant to the Federal Elder Justice Act uh, can be held accountable, and in this case, indicted. So that indictment is currently uh, in court, uh, pending trial. Uh, and uh, I think that that's it for me, Amy. So I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you, Tom. We just wanted to conclude the presentation by making sure everyone knows how to report Medicaid provider fraud, abuse, neglect, or mistreatment. And you can do it in one of two ways. Um, you can go to the Attorney General's website, which is reflected at the uh, address www.ag.ny.gov, and then go to the resources tab of that website and select complaint forms. And when you select complaint forms, you click on the one that is for healthcare issues, which is, looks like the, uh, the stethoscope icon that, I've, that we have in the presentation. Or you can call the Attorney General's hotline uh, at one of the two numbers that are listed here. And with that, I, I, we conclude our presentation and, and thank everyone for their, uh, their attention. Amy and Tom, thanks so much. That was just a remarkable, remarkable presentation. I am going to, uh, let me see if I can share my screen. Oops. Let's see, try that again. Okay, uh, so I can Richard, share my I'll screen. Richard, I'll stop sharing and open oh, it up. Oh, great, thanks. Yeah, actually, I think that I can do that. I just need to find, there we go, PowerPoint presentation and share. So I know we're, we're running a little bit over. That was just really, I, I thought, remarkable. So thank you. Thank you both again, of course, for the presentations, but uh, underneath it all for the, just the tremendous work that obviously went into these really important investigations. Uh, so I'm going to quickly go through a couple of housekeeping things at the end. And then uh, there were uh, many questions, but I think uh, just uh, two people's questions like, are pretty sure, and I think would be use for us to quickly answer before we end the program. Once again, we have our next program on March 21st. We're going to talk about CNA training requirements. We are completing and we'll be publishing a study on CNA training requirements uh, nationwide because they're, they're basically there's a federal minimum and many states have increasing um, have an increased minimum standard for CNA training. And we have, uh, we'll be coming out with a report on that. Uh, head to Nursing Home 411 for materials on today's program to register for our Family Empower Half Hour that I spoke about, to register for the March webinar and for uh, resources, including, by the way, uh, we have in our Learning Center a reporting um, abuse, neglect, and crimes, suspicion of crime against resident page that includes links to the Medicaid Report Control Units for every state, as well as forms and resources uh, to support your advocacy there. And then the two um, quick questions that I had, uh, one is from Mike Burgess, uh, and he asked, how did the AG's office first hear about these abuses and complaints? 
Did families report them or did employees alert the office or were they, results of, or were they the results of ongoing monitoring? The Attorney General's office receives complaints regularly from family members, from residents themselves, and from DOH regarding allegations of abuse and neglect. And we've received many, many um, such complaints uh, with respect to these facilities. Thanks, Amy. Uh, and the other, again, I'm sorry for everyone that we're not going to be able to address all the questions. But the other uh, question I thought was interesting and could be brief was uh, Kathy Elias asked, how long did the Orleans investigation take up to and including filing charges? Hmm. Sorry, I don't have that off the top of my head. I believe that that investigation um, was that, that, there, that there were allegations of um, complaints of abuse and neglect that uh, related to that facility before the pandemic hit New York and that those were under investigation. That is my, uh, that is my recollection. And um, uh, as you can tell from the, if you take a look at the verified petition and the supporting affidavits, particularly the auditor's affidavit, um, which sets forth the financial analysis and the staffing analysis, it's, it's, it took quite some time and, and quite a number of resources to untangle the um, conduct and the financial relationships between each of these nursing homes and the related parties that were controlled by uh, essentially many of the same individuals. And uh, it, just, it, just, it takes a long time and many resources to untangle those types of things. And um, that's one of the reasons for the uh, recommendation in the nurse, Attorney General's nursing home report that to, to bring that th th there should be additional financial transparency um, for transactions between nursing home owners and nursing homes and, and related party transactions because it takes so many resources to um, follow the money uh, and, and follow the uh, follow where it goes from Medicaid and Medicare through the nursing home to related parties. Thank you. And again, as Amy noted a couple of times, it, uh, it's really fascinating to read even even bits of the um, of the filings and to see the specificity with which the attorney general's um, staff and investigators have uh, substantiated some uh, obviously very serious uh, wrongdoing, poor care, and uh, unfortunately misuse of millions of dollars in public funds that were meant to protect residents. Uh, thank you again, Amy and Tom, very much. Thank you for everyone for joining us today. Again, Amy and Tom, we just appreciate so much the work of you both and of everyone in the Medicaid Rural Control Unit. And I wish everyone a good afternoon. Thank you again. Bye -bye now. Thank you.